ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We are excited to have you joining us today for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends Podcast. Dee, how are you today? I am doing great. I'm a little nervous. This is our first time doing a remote call-in. So I pray that the sound quality is good, but I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited too, and I feel just as nervous um, (laughs) because I'm hearing myself in slight delay, which is a little bizarre, but but I'm going to work through it. And I'm really, really excited about two things. Number one, I'm super excited for this guest because I had the chance to see her speak live um, recently, and it was awesome, and I was so encouraged and was really excited when she said, yes, she would join us on our podcast. And then um, I'm also really excited about doing this and getting sort of the technology sorted out so that we can also have some other guests that join us you know, remotely because we have friends all over the country who could be fantastic guests, but we don't have them on because in the, in the past, up to this point, we've only done live recorded right. interviews. So this will be really cool, um, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. So it's a banner day for the show. <laughs> So as I mentioned, you know, I saw Jill speak at the Georgia Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Conference in March. Jill, was that in March? Yeah, I think it was March already. Oh, it was. And it was so good. And so our show is all about women's health. And we talk about everything from emotional to spiritual to physical health. And we really try to cover those topics um, or those buckets in in as broad a way as possible. But providing content that we really feel like makes a difference for our listeners' lives, you know, things that are uh, that are really applicable things they can take pieces of information and advice they can they can really use in their everyday life and I felt like your um, presentation was so practical it was really inspiring and encouraging but it was also really really practical so with that said I want to read a little bit of Jill's bio and then we'll dive right in so Jill John spent 15 years putting everyone else's needs ahead of her own and I think all of our listeners can totally relate to that but no more now Jill a Recovering corporate executive, breast cancer survivor, and mother of four leads an energetic and satisfying life by design. She empowers other burnt out and stressed out women to do the same by creating a personalized, fully integrated self-care practice. She's the co-host of the Pause Button 2.0 podcast, a breast cancer patient navigator, and the owner-founder of Space to Thrive, a mindfulness resource and retreat center. And an effervescent, and I can definitely vouch for that, motivational speaker. You can watch her TEDx talk at www.jill-johns.com. And I know you might not need the W's, but I tell them because that's what I do. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Jill. Thanks. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are excited. So I I read your bio and Mm -hmm. I've seen you in real life, but I don't want to shortchange you or our listeners. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you how you got to where you are? Sure. Um, You know, the first 15 years of well, yeah, the first 15 years of my grown up life, I had a very 
traditional life. I, you know, got up early in the morning, went to my job, tried to climb the corporate ladder, you know, did everything that I needed to do to give, give, give and go, go, go. Um, And then one day, very unexpectedly, my department was downsized. Mm. And so I found myself suddenly overnight without a job. And now keep in mind at that time, I had four kids spanning from middle or elementary school to high school. I was the primary breadwinner in our family, and I had never not known anything other than the corporate grind. And so instantly overnight, that just evaporated for me. Mm. Um, And so I thought, you know, I don't ever want to put my destiny in somebody else's hands again to have them kind of snatch that out from under me. So I I stuck my toe in the entrepreneurial waters um, and really got started building my own business. And then as you hear in my bio, one year after I had my own business started, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at age Mm. 40. Wow. And I tell you what, if that's not back to back slaps in the face, you know, one year you're getting laid off, the next year you're getting cancer. um, And it really sent me into a tailspin of who am I? What do I want to do? What you know, what impact do I want to make? You know, what what's the impression that I want to leave on the world? And so ever since then, four years ago, I've really made it my life's mission to make sure that I'm at least one voice out of the many voices we hear in a day that reminds people and women in particular, the importance of um, making themselves the top priority. Wow. So that is a pretty, that is pretty incredible to think about having, you know, losing your career. And I, I'm somebody who probably a lot like you were, I'm somebody who historically has gotten a lot of my sense of self and satisfaction and Mm -hmm. value from the work that I do. And I think, you know, losing that is, is losing your identity in so many ways. And I I think I had a, I had a look and a style and I, you know, I always wore, you know, all high heels were all black and I had this like persona to me and yeah. then all of a sudden overnight I started wearing you know flip-flops and jeans and and t-shirts and and while that I thought that was fun and a good idea um I didn't realize the loss of self-identity that I was having by not really realizing that mm. um and so it's been it's been an interesting part of the unfolding over the last five years mm, mm. and so I think it's so fascinating how a lot of times people place that identity on men they're like oh if a man loses his job he loses his identity but to understand mm-hmm. that that's something that we women go through as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm an accidental mom um, <laughs> four job, times <laughs> Well, so my first child was um, a birth control baby, and so I I wasn't expecting to have him. And then once I had him, I was like, well, if I have one, I need to have another. And then um, in my second marriage, my husband came with two children as well. And so for the last 15 years, I've effectively been a mother to four. And my intention at the beginning of my life was to never have any. So it's interesting as well, because my identity was around my career. I mean, I went to a great school. I was intending on having a fabulous professional life and never really intending on being a mom. Um, and so, you know, upsetting the apple cart in a whole bunch of different ways with all these different, you know, unexpected life events that happen along and along. Mm, I love that. I think that, you know, it's so funny. It makes me think of that saying, you know, uh, like I, I make my plans and God laughs. Like, who, I think <laughs> right? that we, we, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh-huh. we, we Head think, on the head, like, it, oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, you might think that you're going to go down this road, but I have a different plan yeah. for your life. <laughs> well, I love that you, um, that you, you maybe uh, 
for me, a lot of the time when I have, um, when I have to make a change, like I, I, it's funny because, um, right now on our desktop, we have uh, an, a little award. It's sort of a mock award that I got when, when I was an intern. It says Miss Flexibility <laughs> because I, I have a rather rigid personality and historically it was much worse. And going into becoming a registered dietitian, like I was really very black and white and like check the box kind of person. And I'm still a task oriented person with a list. And I try to like check the box of my list and keep things moving along in a very narrow way. But um, mm-hmm. during my internship, like you just when you're an intern, like you get no say you're like the lowest of the mm-hmm. low on the totem pole. <laughs> so you go where they tell you to go and you do what they tell you to do. And if things change at the last minute, you just roll with it. But that was really hard for me. And I and I learned to do it. And by the end of my year and a half as an intern, <laughs> I got this award from my preceptor or from our director who said like she recognized that I had been changed so much in that short wow. period of time. So I think, the, you know, that all of that to say, like sometimes in life we have to learn to be flexible and it sounds mm-hmm. like your life has been a lesson in flexibility. Oh, man, we call them pivots in our world. It's <laughs> like, oh, all of a sudden pivot, and now I'm going 180 degrees in the opposite, opposite direction. I just had a major pivot happen yesterday, and it's like, all right, well, we've done this before. We know what to do, Jill. Let's pivot and move <laughs> on. And, and you do it with, <laughs> um, with, with so much grace, I think. And, um, and it seems that you're one of the things that I loved about seeing you speak and hearing your story, Jill, is the, is the joy that I got from your mm-hmm. story. You know, you, so you have this really difficult layoff and sort of reinvented yourself. And then you um, ended up getting cancer. So talk about mm-hmm. what that year was like in between and then getting your diagnosis. Ooh, well, um, if you, if, you know, for your listeners that might watch my TED talk or my TEDx talk, um, I talk a lot about how when I was in corporate, especially in my 20s, unbeknownst to me, my nickname was Freight Train. Oh, um, my gosh. And <laughs> I know, I laugh now. Um, but what that meant was like, you know, I was hard charging, like I had a lot of energy, I was dynamic, I was going and I was going fast. And so the assumption was kind of, you got on board or you got out of the way with me. Um, and it was never malicious or bad. It was just a lot of energy. And then over the course of my career, obviously, you know, I softened that I matured, you know, I learned as I went along. But when I um, suddenly found myself unemployed, it was like, I took that same tenacity and freight train style into entrepreneurship. So it's like, all right, you got to get up, you got to grind, you got to hustle, you got to do this. So I leveraged a lot of those same traits, but you know, the positive side of those traits. Um, and I think what's interesting is that that's kind of the the way that I stepped into a cancer diagnosis as well, um, was like, okay, like, you know, one day everything was fine. I went for my first mammogram at the age of 40. I had no family history. There was no expectation. I didn't even tell my husband that I was going. It's just what you do. You check the box. I went to the appointment. They told me that there was something suspicious. They invited me back. So I went back a second time. And by that time, I was like, I should probably tell my husband at this point that something's (laughs) going on, but it's probably fine. So I just went and did my thing. And then when they called me back and said, no, we need you to come back. We need you to, you know, do a biopsy, all that kind of stuff. It was like that gut blow of like, oh, like this is actually serious. Mm. Um, and then I had the conversation with him and um, this is, you know, so, so Jill. But um, <laughs> so then the, the 
the biopsy results came back and they wanted me to come to the hospital so that they could go over the results with me. And I was like, I don't have time to come in for that. I got this business I got to run. I got these four kids that I'm running after. Like, I just really don't have time to waste air quote to come to the doctor's office for you to tell me. And she's like, well, are you giving me permission to give you your results over the phone? And I'm like, yes, please. Could you give me the gift of time and just tell me over the phone? And then that's when I was told over the phone by, by my doctor that I had cancer. Wow. So I don't really think she's probably diagnosed a lot of people with (laughs) cancer over the phone. Um, But uh, you know, just my life and my lifestyle, that's what it was. And so definitely like that, that was the wake up call and the understanding about, okay, like you can be a mom, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a businesswoman, you can be a wife, you can be all these other things and going a hundred miles an hour if you'd like to. But at the end of the day, you really have to prioritize yourself and prioritize your health Mm -hmm. um, and not be so flippant and dismissive about how critical your, your well being is at all points in your journey, particularly for women. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that that's such a great reminder for me personally because I'm definitely that I'm a lot I think you and I are a lot alike which is probably the other <laughs> I reason so, <laughs> so I, I mean I, I had I had like and Dee knows this we had a guest on um earlier this year and we talked about ca- her cancer journey and then in that show mm-hmm. I admitted that I hadn't gone for my mammogram even though I had seen yep. the doctor in the fall and she wrote the script for it and I was supposed to go and I didn't go didn't go didn't go and then the show aired mm-hmm. and I still hadn't gone <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got to go. So I recently. Even after hearing yourself yes. on the show say, I'm going to go. Yes, yes. And so I finally went. I finally went. And, you know, and even just like making the time to go and do that. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, it's going to be fine. So I don't even want to, I don't want to take the time to do it. But I did it and it was, and it didn't take much time. It was really quick and it was in and it was out. And if there'd been something, it would have been essential mm-hmm. for me to have taken the time to do that. Right. And Absolutely. as a registered Early dietitian, is key. right, exactly. And you know, it's funny because as a registered dietitian, like I always talk about eating well and taking care of yourself and that's my mission. That's my life. But sometimes mm-hmm. I forget to do it for myself and how can I expect other people to do it if I'm not doing it too? So yeah, you, that's been my biggest medicine is just, I cannot stand up and pr- profess to the world, the importance of self-care if I am not doing it for myself first. And that's been a hard pill to swallow for yeah. the last four years. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm doing better. I've, I'm doing better. And you really did inspire me. I'm not mm-hmm. just blowing smoke and saying that. I mean, you really did <laughs> inspire me to, okay, this is something, this is something I can do and I need to be proactive. And for me, the big area is sleep. Like I don't, sleep well and I don't sleep enough. And so I've been really intentional about getting to bed on time and trying to have better sleep quality. And it has made a a huge difference for me. Good for you. Yeah, that's foundational. You know, um, I wanted to touch on the point, you know, so many women find so much guilt around putting themselves Mm. first, like, you know, and so first and foremost, just dispelling any of the guilt that's associated with self-care and taking care of yourself. And then there is a lot of guilt for women as well about their sleep cycles. Like, you know, you know, you hear I'll sleep when I'm dead or I'll sleep when my kids are grown or I'll, you know, I'll sleep, you know, some other day sooner if you think like that. (laughs) I know. And and we talked about it in that talk that you heard Sherry, but it's like, we take better care of the battery in our cell phones than we take care of our own battery. We're constantly plugging our phones in making sure they stay charged and energized all day long. And that's what sleep does for us. Yeah. Yet we're really unwilling to plug ourselves in as much as we need to keep our battery full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I agree completely. That was a great analogy for me. So when you, so talk about what your self-care was like before this <laughs> year of change happened for you and what it's like now. Like, how did you get from one to the other? Obviously, we, we hope that our listeners and each of us <laughs> don't have to go through cancer in order to get there. Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you before and what's it like for you now and how can we get there? Awesome question. Yeah. Um, I would say it's multi-level. So like the first step in self-care for many people is moving into self-care activities and it's figuring out for yourself, like what are the self-care activities that work for you? And that could be exercise. It could be eating healthy. It can be journaling, meditating, yoga, you know, like bubble baths, whatever it might be. Um, You know, kind of look at the buffet of options that are out in the world and determine which activities are best suited for you and your lifestyle. So so for me, the initial phases of my self-care journey was that I wasn't even doing that. Like I couldn't remember the last time that I had read a book for pleasure. Mm. I couldn't remember the last time that I just sat out on the back porch and watched the birds. So I started incorporating some of the activities, the doing side of self-care. And more recently, and the growth and the expansion that I have experienced has been the emotional side of self-care. So setting boundaries, learning to say Mm. no, identifying what's a strong, solid heck yes for me to be doing, and then saying no to everything else. Um, You know, allowing myself to experience a full gamut of emotions and not apologizing for, you know, my humanness. Mm. And so for me, self-care is multi-phase. It's first and foremost, do the activities. Then once you're doing the activities, do the upgraded side of self-care, which involves a lot of like the spiritual and emotional work. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think that that's a great that's a great way to think about it, because I think for a lot of people, you know, they think about self-care and they imagine like I've got to find time for bubble baths and I've got to find time for massages and I've got to find time for, you know, whatever it is that you think you what you think of with self-care. But the reality is it can you can start small and you can build on those activities. It's not unlike exercise, right? Starting small, starting with taking a walk. And then from there, you know, maybe you do something that's that's heavier cardiovascular. And from there, you may do some strength training. But you're not going to, you don't have to start it all the same week. You can start mm-hmm. one thing. Just do one thing. What's the one thing? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in the, in the, um, when you gave your presentation at, at the academy meeting I attended, you had us write down something that mm-hmm. we were going to do. And I loved that. Um, and I'll we'll give you one guess what mine was. <laughs> it was sleep. Sleep. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> and and I, I thought that was great, too. Um, there's some power in writing things down, don't you think? Yes. Writing things down and having accountability partners. You know, I've got a group of, um, you know, so my the co-host on my podcast, Anita, and then our two other best friends, the three of us, the four of us together are really each other's accountability partners. And so we'll text things to each other. And because like you said, Sherry, writing it down, whether it's typing it down or physically writing it in your penmanship is one thing. And then telling someone else what you're going to do and then allowing them the space to hold you accountable mm. to that thing is really the way that we go about creating sustainable behavior change. Oh, I love that. And you know, our show is all about girlfriends, right? So yes. I, I yes. love that you have that sort of built-in community. So if, mm-hmm. if someone doesn't have somebody in their life like that, what can they do instead? Or how can they find another way to, to do that while they're looking to build that community? Mm-hmm. You know, 
speaking about friends and speaking about community, one of the places that people don't touch on a lot is about the fact that a lot of times we have to prune people out of our lives and Mm. that's part of the self-care. And so. Oh, you're speaking my language now. (laughs) Yeah. Like thinking about like, okay, these people are in my life. They've, you know, people come into your life for a variety of reasons. And I don't believe that everybody's intended to stay for the whole story. Um, But learning to cut loose some of the people and then cut loose some of the obligations that you have. And in doing that, that's kind of one of the ways that you create space in your life. And then now that you have some space, new people can come in or new opportunities can come in. And so for me, if you're looking at your, I mean, we all have friends and family, but if you're looking around and saying, wow, none of the people in my inner circle is somebody that I would feel would be a great self-care accountability partner. It might be time to start pruning Mm. um, and it might be time to start identifying maybe some replacement actors in your story. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think one of the great things about social media is that it can help us find people like that, you know, connect with people Mm -hmm. like that. I think our our Facebook page could be a place where people could connect to each other, you know, if they don't already have that, you know, finding other people on the page who look or looking for something like that. And it doesn't have to be our page. It can be other similar pages, right? There are lots of mm-hmm. social media channels where people are looking to connect with other people and find support and a- accountability and encouragement in a certain area. I love mm-hmm. that. We have a, um, with our pause button 2.0 podcast, we've got a closed community group and it does ac- actually that where oh, great. we don't even have to, um, we don't always have to be the ones initiating the conversation. Like one of our, you know, one of our community members will post something like, Hey, I'm having a really crappy day. Like, can y'all help me out? Or, you know, we talk about our wins or whatever. And you're right. That that community, it doesn't even have to, it can be with strangers. It can be with people that you've never met face to face, but creating that community of support, um, particularly for women, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we thrive on community. And so creating that, for yourself is just paramount. Mm, I love that. So this is a good time for you to tell us. Tell us about the podcast. <laughs> well, our podcast is a lot like yours where Anita and I were sitting at lunch one day having a great conversation and we said, man, I wish we could record this. And then <laughs> we kind of, I'm sure like y'all did, we were like, well, why can't we? And so then we were like, okay, let's do this. And so we, um, Anita and I are, couldn't be more dichotomous in our personalities and our backgrounds and kind of the perspective that we have on life. And that's what makes for a great friendship. And we think that that's what makes for a great podcast co-host as well. Um, we tackle the, the way that we present it is that we say out loud all the things that women are thinking in their heads about life and about self-care, but we, you know, whatever, we're brave enough or we're crazy enough, whatever the <laughs> word might be, to say it out loud and record it and share it with thousands of people every week. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that is that is a lot how we began as well. You know, we were having conversations that were really interesting and that were very interesting mm-hmm. to us, but also that were a little... <laughs> a little weird. You know, we talked a lot about Mm -hmm. poop and nutrition in the same conversation. And then it was like, let's just do this. Let's just record this. And it's been so much fun. the best thing you've ever done? Oh my gosh. The best experience I have ever had in my life. It's just Oh, I'm so grateful that we were crazy or brave or courageous enough to do it. It is all those things. Yeah. Yeah. All those things. I love that. (laughs) 
So, so that's what I love about listening to you. I mean, I'm a listener of you as well. And it's oh, like, yay, thank I you. love every episode. It's like, and we hear this feedback a lot with our podcast is people are like, I want to join the conversation. Yes. Like I felt like you were sitting right next to me and I wanted yes. to interject something. And yes. that's exactly how I feel when I listen to y'all. Yes. I feel the same way. I love that. I love yeah. that. And so, as, so as we think about like encouraging our listeners, yours and ours, you know, what are some of the keys that you would say um, to helping women move more toward this um, this concept of incorporating self-care? I always, you know, it's kind of like I, I like to think about balance and I like to talk mm-hmm. about balance. But I also know that for me anyway, balance is sort of a it's sort of a. It, it's really difficult to actually the unicorn. It really is. And sometimes it can <laughs> be a little unicorn. bit discouraging. And what I have really mm-hmm. learned to accept in my life is that I'm probably not going to have balance very often. Mm. Always my life. I is, think you have balance over the course of your entire lifetime. Yeah. That's but what to I think that you're going to have balance at any one moment in time, I think is just chasing a unicorn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what would you say instead of saying balance, like how would you help people think about mm-hmm. the value of self-care and, and, it, and making it a priority? You know, so um, I think the very first step, and it's a step that happens long before self-care, is acknowledging the swirl or acknowledging the chaos that you're living in and just acknowledging it. Mm. Um, I think a lot of us live in denial of the chaos or we think that the chaos or the swirl is normal. Um, But if we can acknowledge for ourselves and kind of just get comfortable with saying, you know what, like, there's a lot of swirl in my life right now. I got four kids. I got this business. I got cancer. I got this. Like, that is a swirl. And so once we acknowledge it, it's like we can hold it in our hands and look at this crazy swirl of the busyness of our lives and say, hello, busyness, I see you. (laughs) Um, And then once you see it, it's like you're no longer in denial that it's happening or you're no longer sweeping it under the rug. And that's when you can start to then make the change. But, you know, for me, step number one for everybody is just to get them to you know, one of my great friends calls it acknowledge the turd. It's like, just acknowledge the turd, (laughs) see it for what it is. And then once you've acknowledged it, then we can do something about it. But, you know, in my coaching practice or consulting work with people, a lot of people don't even want to acknowledge it. Mm. Um, And you can't make any changes without, you know, being aware of it. Mm. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, when you first said swirl, I thought you said squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) That too. I always, that's a joke, like in our household, or it's always like, I'll be having a conversation about one thing, and then all of a sudden the conversation is about something completely different, and my husband will be like, squirrel. (laughs) No, but I, but I love the idea of the swirl, and that makes me think of like a whirlpool, you know, this kind of spinning around, and in in a lot of uh, areas of my life, I've, I've used the concept of sort of a funnel, and I, I think that a lot of times in life, we do that circling, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have other friends who've called it going around the mountain again, you know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I'm once again, I'm going through this same thing. And I think you can either be in the funnel where you're going down, or you can be in the mountain where you're going up. And sometimes mm-hmm. we go up and we go down and, you know, and that, I think that that's normal, especially when we get something that comes out of the blue or knocks us down like a job loss or a, or a diagnosis or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even, you know, losing a friend, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. not just to death, but just losing a friendship, a valuable relationship. You're burning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if you make those decisions, it's still hard, right? It is. Well, and 
when the, you know, I always think of like a bucket of water, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you, you've got this water that's churning and swirling. And it's like, we all know that if you look into the bucket of water, when it's all churned up, you can't see anything clearly. It just looks brackish. It just looks dirty. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to start there by like looking in the bucket and being like, oh, wow, this water is really churning. And then, and then you've got to do, you know, so that's when to me, self-care steps in. It's like, okay, now it's time to press pause. Now it's time to allow the water in the bucket to settle. Let the soot fall to the bottom, let the clear water rise to the top. And, and as soon as you stop the pressing pause piece and step back into the life, yes, it swirls back up and churns back up and gets all mucky again. Um, but knowing that you have this gift and this ability to keep stepping away from it, allowing it to settle, seeing clearly, and then, you know, letting it swirl back up lets you understand that it's not like you're not like a Buddhist monk that's trying to live this Zen existence. It's like you're a person living in the 21st century in America, probably, and your life is going to be full of churn and swirl, but it doesn't have to mean that you always have to be in chaos. Mm. Mm, that's so I think that's so wise. And I do think that that requires um, a real intentional stopping. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that you and I are of the same opinion um, that, you know, a lot of times people and I'm a people. So this is me also. <laughs> we, we have a tendency to sort of um, live by. Uh, default or just like, you know, or, you know, we just kind of life happens to us and we're just kind of moving Mm -hmm. along, especially when our lives are really full and busy. And, you know, when we're, when we're chasing a career and not everybody is going to be entrepreneurial like we are, you know, some people, a lot, most people, thank goodness, have normal jobs where, you know, where they're (laughs) working in a normal work setting where they're working from, you know, one hour to the next, but they're chasing a dream and they're climbing a ladder and they're doing good work. Um, or they're just doing the work so that they can pay the bills. You know, not everybody is chasing a dream. Sometimes they're just chasing the bill. They're just yeah. trying to make it. And meanwhile, they're raising human beings up in the world that we live in, which is sometimes mm-hmm. violent and scary. And I think for a lot of women, it can feel really overwhelming to think about stopping and taking mm-hmm account of their life and trying to look at that muddy water. Sometimes it's easier to just stick your head in the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of had that. Yeah, question, I agree. You know, when you said Good. that sometimes it's, um, people have a difficult time acknowledging the chaos. Why is it hard for them to acknowledge it? I think part of the fear from what I've at least learned from the women that we've had to work with is that, um, then you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you acknowledge that, you know, the, the job that you have is underwhelming or if you acknowledge that your partner might be abusive or you acknowledge that, you know, maybe, you know, the reality of your life is not matching up to the expectations you have of your life. Um, once you create that awareness and that acknowledgement of it, then, I'll, you know, as human beings, we're compelled to say, so what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of, you know, it's just easier to just keep plunking your head in the bucket or sticking your head in the sand and pretending that it's not there than it is to actually grapple with some of this uncomfortable crap that we've got to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that's, I think that for me, that's, that was what it was. And, you know, historically for me too, is this is like, you know, if I can just stay busy, I don't have to think about Mm -hmm. the things that I need to change. 
Mm-hmm. My historically, I think for, that's very common for women in particular. Yeah, I think so too. And I, so for me, historically, you know, I I've shared on another show that we did about alcohol that I was a, a member of Al-Anon for a long, long time. And Al-Anon is a program, in case you don't know, Jill, for family and friends of alcoholics. And people mm-hmm. who are in Al-Anon also go through the twelve steps, just like people who are in AA or you know, because it's still a recovery type program. And part of that program is going through the fourth step, which is about making an inventory. (laughs) And oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how long I procrastinated about making an inventory. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was like in denial. I did. I was, I was just like, it kind of felt like, and I think for women in any phase, right? If you're one of those people who's got a really busy life, who's got, you know, and who doesn't like, you just have all this stuff going on. Like for me, standing there in front of my list, which wasn't written yet, felt like standing on the edge of a cliff. Wow. It really did. It was like, how do I, it just felt like overwhelming to stop and really create a list of you know, my character defects or the things that were going on in my life, the circumstances that were not ideal or because I didn't remember that you can also create a list of the things that are good. And I think maybe that's also something that women can do when they think about creating a self-care regimen or moving into a space of self-care. Look at the places where you're already doing some good things. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know too many people who don't do something for themselves. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, so what you say there is important. It's creating the awareness. It's, um, you might be doing self-care practices already, but you're not actually reaping the benefit of the self-care practices because you're not acknowledging that you reading right now, you sitting outside, you spending time with your girlfriend is self-care. Yes. And so I totally agree. It's like, take stock, take inventory of what you're doing already and find the pieces that you're doing for self-care. And then now call them self-care. Like, don't just call it hanging out with your girlfriends. Say, I need some self-care time with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Or don't just sit on your back deck. You know, look, say, I need some self-care time um, to watch my birds. And mm-hmm. so you can supercharge your self-care activities that you're currently doing just by naming them and calling yeah. them what they are. Yeah. So to me, that that speaks to the concept of mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. Which is one of your things. It is. So how that can women? The new Jill. <laughs> <laughs> so you were not a mindful Jill before, and now you're a mindful Jill. Mm-mm. I am. I um. I. <laughs> I. So mindfulness for me is just bringing attention to the present moment, and I was a chronic um, backward looker, forward fretter person, and so I was constantly toggling back and forth between the past and the future and the past and the future, and so mindfulness is bringing you into the present moment to experience the present moment, to see the present moment, and and what brought that up for me was that um, my firstborn, so um, he has a personality style that's very fly under the radar. He's like a calm, cool kind of kid. And I realized after coming out of this time in corporate that I actually hadn't seen my son in probably seven years. Now we'd been living together. We'd been interacting with each other. I'd been being, you know, check the box, great mom. 
but I actually hadn't experienced much present moment time with him. And when I had that wake up call, that slap in the face, it was so painful Mm -hmm. that I vowed that I would do everything in my power every day to be living in the present moment um, because you can't change the past and you have no idea how to predict the future and all of these unexpected future things that kept happening to me. I'm like, I would have never predicted I'd have cancer. I would have never predicted I would have gotten laid off. And so it was like just forcing myself to just get back in the present moment and see the people that were in front of me, taste the food that I was putting in my mouth, feel the clothes and the sheets on my skin, feel the heat of the sun on my body, like just experience life as it was currently happening to me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And what a, what a, thank you for sharing that truth with us about the experience with your son. Cause I think some people would just feel ashamed of that and just not talk about it. But I think we mm-hmm. all can do that. And especially with technology, right? It's so easy to be constantly connected. And when you're an entrepreneur, when you're, you know, when you're climbing the corporate ladder, whatever your flavor is, it's really easy to be a to be constantly connected and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at the same time be fully disconnected. Yes. Gee, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I was the perfect textbook soccer mom. Mm. Like on the outside looking in, I was checking all of the boxes, you know, it looked, you know, I was never, we were never late. We always had matching socks. Like they were always fed, <laughs> you know, like all that crap that like constitutes the checklist. Um, but what people weren't seeing that was missing on the checklist was the connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, for me, that mindfulness piece of living life is really about that being connected to myself and being connected mm-hmm. to whatever is right with me in this moment. One of the things mm-hmm. that, and you know, Jill, maybe you can speak to your experience with this or how you do this is one of, for, for me, one big component of mindfulness in the, in the moment is about breathing mm-hmm. and slowing down my breath and making it really intentional, you know, because I think we are people in general are shallow breathers, right? Mm-hmm. And our, and breathing you is realize that you're no, breathing shallowly. no, you don't even have to think about breathing. You just, your body breathes because if it didn't, you would die. No, no, no. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. even think about how shallow your breathing is yeah. until you take a deep breath. You're like, oh, right. I haven't done my breath in a long time. Right, <laughs> right. And so, but by default, you know, our breath is shallow. It's not going to be deep, meaningful, you know, filling your chest breath. It's going to be just like these shallow breaths. But when we stop, and we think about breathing in those moments, then we can fill up our chest. Yeah, and I'm going to, if you're willing to play with me, I'm going to challenge you and your listeners to do it right now. Yes. So just yes. wherever you are, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, just close your eyes right now and just breathe in through your nose as deeply as you can and give it a big sigh out. <sighs> and now breathe in again through your nose and sigh out. And do it one last time. Breathe in and sigh out. And then just let it breathe for just two or three breaths. Ooh, I feel tingly. (laughs) You know, I tell people it's like I've been breathing every 10 seconds for the last 44 years without really thinking about it. Thank God my body just does it naturally. Um, But shifting the attention to the breath for three seconds like we just did or 10 seconds or 20 seconds is an instant power plug 
Um, and so before you go into a meeting, after a meeting, before you go home, sitting at a stoplight, you know, sitting in your driveway, whatever it might be, if you just do three deep belly breaths with a nice big sigh, you're instantly grounded and connected with the present moment. So it doesn't take a fancy app or, you know, going to a week-long retreat or whatever it might be. If you just bring consciousness back to your breath, um, you have the ability to reset everything in mm. your day. Mm. I love that. In our house, we always say, you know, you can start your day over whenever you want to. So, exactly. you know, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's something that we have to regularly do when my, I have a five-year-old son, Jill, I don't know if you remember that, but I have a five-year-old mm -hmm. son. And so we're in the phase where he's like, you know, he's past temper tantrums necessarily, but he still occasionally throws one. <laughs> and even if he's not throwing a temper tantrum, he's definitely, he's a lot like me and my husband both, you know, my husband and I are, are we're very different personalities. I'm like the big gregarious personality. My husband's more reserved and a little bit more of an introvert, but we're both extremely stubborn and we're both very task oriented. And so my son, bless his heart, has no chance. He's going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he wants what he wants when he wants it. And he is not afraid to say it. And when he doesn't get it, he has a very difficult time. Again, going back to my own rigid personality, <laughs> he has difficulty with the, with the pivoting. He has difficulty pivoting. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. are on the regular saying like, you know what? You can start your day over whenever you're ready. You're having a hard moment, but at this moment doesn't have to last all day. So you can decide when you're ready to take a deep breath and start this day over. And so he's learned now, even at five, to start doing that. He needs a cue. He needs a reminder, but so do I. And um, But it makes all the difference. And at 45, mm -hmm. I'm still learning how to do that. I'm still learning. Yes, I love, I mean, the thought of bringing mindfulness into the schools um, I see it, you know, I see other friends of mine or other connections doing that. But if we could bring mindfulness into daycares and schools and start giving our kids the skill set mm. from the time, you know, you learn to read, you learn to write, you learn to breathe. Yes. Um, I think that we, you know, could change the world in a generation. Oh, I love that. I think that that is absolutely um, incredibly powerful. And I've definitely seen it in my own son's life. And I agree that it can be. And some some schools are doing yoga and things like that as mm -hmm. part of their their um, their program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I love it. I went to a school not too long ago. I visited a school where they have a room that's like a sensory room where kids who are struggling with their behavior can go to this sensory room. And it has like um, it has like a big giant pillow thing where they can lay on. Mm. It has like some um, different it almost looks like gymnastics type equipment that they can they can tumble on or roll on. It has like um, big pillowy corner areas and everything's brightly colored and pretty and, and happy. And they can go into these spaces when they need to decompress. And if they have to punch something, there are soft things they can punch and throw. And at the same time, if they just need to lay and be sort of swaddled in something, they can do that too. And I think maybe adults need that too. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, yeah, I, I'll gladly. I, I've always wanted to create a thing that I call the pause bus, where I drive around to like parking lots of major corporations and let people. 
come out and press pause and meditate, but maybe we need to find a sponsor to create the pause and sensory bus, and we'll just create that for adults and drive around and let them hop in. I love it. (laughs) It'd be like in the airport where you can go and, like, pay 10 bucks for a nap. Yes. Yes. That is a great idea. Nobody steal that idea. Just going to make it happen. You said it here. Now, if any of your listeners want to sponsor it, we'll gladly take the check. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if people want to connect with you, Jill, how can they do that? Where can people find you? How can they connect with you in real life and online? Sure. Um, so a uh, couple of different ways. So I have, a, like you mentioned, my own website, which is jill-johns.com. And then we have the website for the podcast, which is thepausebuttonpodcast.com. Um, our podcast is probably the same place as yours, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Um, and then, uh, so physically, I live in Statesboro, Georgia. So that's where we have our mindfulness retreat center. And we call that place space to thrive. And so if people are interested in, you know, coming and having, you know, we've done camps and retreats and writers workshops and yoga retreats and a variety of different things, we kind of make this space open and available for people to come and have their adult playground opportunity to press pause and, and really have a nice comprehensive relaxation experience um so for and all of those things for me have facebook pages so i've got jill johns international which is my professional facebook page we've got the pause button 2.0 which is our podcast facebook page um so that's kind of my places are the internet on you know websites and then facebook okay i love it i love it and i love the idea of the retreat center and um who knows maybe mm-hmm. there'll be an opportunity for us to collaborate sometime that'd be yes. super fun i would love that Some live broadcast oh. from the beautiful space that thrives oh i love it i love it we need to make uh, it happen <laughs> yeah we're right down the road y'all are just right up the road yeah from me, so. we're not far well, girl, two hours. hours oh i love it i love it i love it okay that could be in the future girlfriends y'all keep Woo. listening we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> let you know if we can make that happen Let's do it. Well, awesome, Jill. I have loved this conversation. It's been so encouraging for me. And um, again, just like when I saw you live, I feel again like um, like it, the importance of making space for taking care of myself. I mean, I really feel mm-hmm. like it is something that I want to continue. And I think we have to fight for it. We have to fight mm-hmm. for it because everything in our lives want to take wants to take our time. And in order for us to make space and time, we have to intentionally make space and time. Yeah, absolutely. Schedule yourself first and everything else around it. Amen. I love it. I love it. Is there anything else, Dee? Did you have any other questions or things that were burning for you that you wanted to say to Jill or ask her about? No, just um, the way that I started to think about self-care, like on a very, very basic level, was um, I heard someone say that when you have a child, you make sure that they go to bed on time and you make sure that they eat and they eat as well as they will. (laughs) You know, there's these things that we do for our children. We should treat ourselves the same way. Yeah, of course. (laughs) If my child has to eat, I have to eat too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're willing to grind, you know, grow and grind our own organic fruits and vegetables to make our own baby food. Um, <laughs> but we aren't necessarily willing to grow our own organic vegetables to feed ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. if, if we gave ourselves a 10th of the compassion that we gave our loved ones, you know, just think how we would thrive. 
Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I and so I think that that's a great place to remind people that they can make those little deposits um, and mm-hmm. make those lists and, and not be afraid to take inventory of your life right now. Look at the swirling water, decide where you can make some changes, add some good habits to the things that you're already doing and um, and then take better care of yourself and you'll reap the benefits yes. of it. Everyone will. You will personally and your family, your loved ones, your employer, everybody benefits when you put yourself first. Yes. Yes. I love that. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you, Jill, so much for joining us for the show today. And girlfriends, thanks for listening. We have loved having you with us today. And if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Facebook, find us on um, social media. Of course, you can find You can also email us at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. Send us any thoughts you have, suggestions, ping us. We love that. And um, also, I want to say that um, we finish every show, Jill. I'm not sure if you know this, but we finish every show with one question. It's the question we ask at the end of every show, and it is, what are you going to do today to be healthier? And so I'll pose that question to Dee, and then Jill, if you want to share with us what you're going to do, that'd be awesome. So for me, me and my husband celebrated 10 years married this week. Yay! Um, And so we're going to go out for a fancy dinner and stay the night in a fancy hotel (laughs) um, and just get into one another so I'm excited about that I love that and listen they're so romantic these two I love I love your love story and I think it's so sweet you got the it's so sweet what about you Jill what are you gonna do you know I'm gonna go simple and to say that today is all about drinking water drink 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 my water Mm, that's a good Uh, one uh, a friend of my son's has a quote that says um if you like water, then you like 72% of me, which I think is such a cute way of reminding ourselves that we are full of 72% water, and that's one of the great ways that we can take care of ourselves. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Well, for me, I think I'm going to get a little bit of movement on. So yesterday was a very um, – was not a very – I didn't move much yesterday. It seems like I didn't even get half of my 10,000 steps, so that's always my goal, Jill, every day is to try to get 10,000 steps. And yesterday, I think I only got about half that. And I think almost all of that was in my kitchen. (laughs) So even though I'm going to do a lot of cooking later on today, I'm also going to try to move my body. So I'm going to get out, try to get my steps in now. And that way for the rest of the day, I can just chill. (laughs) That's my goal. Yay. (laughs) All right. Well, again, thank you so much, Jill, for joining us. And thank you so much, uh, girlfriends, for joining us on this, this edition of the Southern Pride Girlfriends podcast. We've loved having you. We hope you're inspired to take better care of yourself. And let us know what you're doing. Ping us on Facebook or on social media. Let us know what you're doing to take better care of yourself. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye.